Welcome to the Just Grace It podcast with Brian and Rex. just leave this. Welcome to the Just Grace It podcast with Brian and Becky Ross. He's the pastor and my hubby. She's the horse girl and my wife. And we're coming to you from our home in the Midwest, Refuge Farm. Join us as we discuss how to apply God's grace to marriage, family, life, and ministry in, in the, the Just, Just Grace It podcast. podcast. Hey guys, it's Brian and Becky with the Just Grace It podcast. Hello. <laughs> Once again, we have not done this in like three weeks, and I know we... We're naughty. We're naughty. <laughs> I know we promised that we were going to... Maybe we just need to stop promising yep. things that we can't deliver. <laughs> Let's just say our goal. Our goal is to do one a week, but I think maybe realistically, maybe to do a couple like maybe twice a month to get a podcast out. I don't know. Or record more than one when we have time. Something. I don't know. Yep. It's it's been busy. It's just life is just there's just stuff happening with just work and church. Church and kids the kids and our animals and things are just just a lot going on plus this time of year is always busy in general yeah so um we kind of have a lot to talk about today so i think let's just get into it first of first of all last time we shared with you our car saga of all the different things that have gone wrong wrong with our vehicles we finally got my van back from the first, well, that was the second thing that happened. Um, yep. In September, it was a head gasket going out on my Subaru. Yes. So that was that was going to lead to a complete replacement of an engine. So we just ended up trading getting that, out of that yeah, car and we getting into traded that car in and got a different, new to us but used car. But we. Re- I, well, so I ended up driving the newer car because my van was still being fixed. Finally got the van back. So the van got the van got damaged in October. Yes. And we didn't get it back till the Thursday before Thanksgiving. Right. So it was a good six and a half. It was six weeks. about six weeks that my van was out being repaired, and it took so long because. They couldn't get all the parts, and it was just a very long time. But I finally got my van back. And then the day, literally the day after I got my van back, what happened to you with the so, the, the new <laughs> the, car? <laughs> within 24 hours of getting the van back, I was driving to pick Andrew up from work. And it was late. It was Well, it was dark out. It was like... It was in the evening, it was dark out, and somebody was coming at me, so I turned my brights off, and then as soon as they passed and I flicked them back on, within seconds, there's this noise, and I see a deer sliding up the windshield of the Nissan that we just bought, and I'm like, you ha- you can't be serious right now. Um, so yeah, we hit a deer the very next day after we got the van back, and I don't know. For with me, it's just car. with the new car, it just felt like a gut punch. 
Well, I w- I literally, when you called me, it was late at night. I had already fallen asleep. You called me and told, told me you. what happened. And I just, I literally sat there with my mouth hanging open because I couldn't believe it. Yeah, so... So that, now our new car is still being fixed. So now we're going on what? Uh, two weeks? No, three. This I don't is week even three. know. This is week three. It'll be three weeks. I can't even remember. We've borrowed cars. We borrowed one from somebody at church the first week, and then the second week, half that week, and so this is week three. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. So hopefully we get it back next week. Between that and just normal life and working and... So here's my advice to all our listeners. Don't hit anything. It'll be forever before you get your car back because of the supply chain issues. Don't hit any deer. Don't just... I mean, and we actually have heard from a lot of people that have had that happen lately. Where it's just like they're just there and you can't... Yeah. And we've lived in the country now for, what, eight years Long time. And had not hit a deer, not even one single time. Had a couple of close calls, but not even one single time had we hit a deer in eight years. Until this last three months when everything, (laughs) it's like one thing after another after another. So anyway, now it's just like you laugh about it because what else can you do? Yep, can't do anything else. um, So So that's the update on that. Um, We got... A very nice surprise gift in the mail. Yes. From one of our listeners. They sent us, you know who you are, but you sent us we, a bag of coffee. Yep. And some chocolate, fancy, fancy chocolate, chocolate, which was, was delicious. We should also no- notice anonymously the uh, other gift from a listener to help us with our car situation. Well, they're a listener, but they're, they're friends. They're, they're close friends very close too. friends and we so greatly appreciate that yes um yes it's really amazing and, and um, if you guys listen to this before there is little something a little thank yous coming to you guys in the mail so little thank you cards coming to you guys in the mail yes so but other than that last week we had attempted to record this particular episode twice we were trying to kill two birds with one stone and go get groceries at costco and record an episode we tried on the way there and in the car in the car and the audio quality was not good at all when we listened back so then we tried again take two on the way home and by that point, we were, I don't know, it was kind of just rambling and it didn't really make a whole lot of, I don't know, it wasn't great quality content. So <laughs> this the two stories that we want to share with you guys are good stories and we're going to share them in this episode. But just, I think by that point, we were tired, we were driving home, we had worked, y- we had gotten groceries, we had run errands, we had to still take care of the animals when we got home. And it just, so we were a little bit distracted in that second attempt. 
So this is our third attempt at this episode. Hopefully the third time's a charm. Yes. I think in a way, I so I haven't even had a chance to tell you this yet. Oh boy. But no, this is a good thing that I just realized today. So my story has to do with our rescue horse, Faith. And the fact that I have been working with a trainer, a new trainer, new to me trainer. And I have had, well, after our lesson today, I have had four lessons with him, five lessons with him. I can't remember. I don't keep track. I think it's five lessons. Um, yes, I believe it's five lessons. Our fifth lesson was today. And so the very cool thing that happened last week that I was so excited to share with everybody is that I was, we got Faith to the point where I was able to sit on her back for the first time, which... It's a big accomplishment. It's a big accomplishment. And if you've followed the story with her at all through the podcasts, I talk about her off and on. She's a rescue. She's five years old. She came to me with a lot of issues and triggers. And what I have now learned with this trainer are habits and coping mechanisms that she used to get through life. Sounds like something else we talk about, but go on. I know. (laughs) So the fun thing about horses is... There's so many personal life lessons that you learn along the way, especially when when you're working with any horse, but especially when you're working with a rescue horse. And there is a quote, I believe it is accredited to Winston Churchill, that says there's something about the outside of a horse that's good for the inside of a man. And... That is true on many different levels. And when you work with a rescue horse, especially, there's all kinds of things that you're going to learn about yourself, both strengths and weaknesses that you have that are going to come out. Because there's going to be times where things are going to be frustrating There's going to be times where things maybe get scary depending on how deeply ingrained some of their fears and, you know, triggers and things are. Um, I'm lucky with Faith in that she's not, she's not aggressive. She's not a mean horse. She doesn't, some horses just, they will attack out of fear because they feel like they have to constantly defend themselves. And Faith is not that kind of a horse, but Faith is, she has a lot of fears and phobias and things that the trainer that I'm working with calls her druthers. Like that old cowboy term, I would druther not do that. <laughs> my dad uses that word a lot. <laughs> I'd, I'd druther not. Had, he says, if I had my, this if is what I, had I'd my do druthers, if I had my druthers. Yeah, what you would, your preferences, what you would rather do. And she has a lot of druthers. 
And so we've... I have a lot of druthers, too. I know you do. Yeah. But we've been working with her through all of that. And, and me. Oh, brother. Yes, anyway, you Anyway, sorry to interrupt. You keep... I'm trying to tell the yes, story I know. here. I, I, see? I'm sorry. So, for me to get to the point last week where I was able... So, he did a bunch of the prep work. Um, you know, he did not, so nobody thinks that he's like irresponsible or anything. He did a huge majority of the prep work to get her ready for me to be even able to step up and, and get on her back. He did it several times first, and we've done a lot of things to help her get ready and get to that point. And so he would get on and get off and, and halfway, you you do it in stages and steps. You don't do anything, you know, just in a rush or in a hurry. You want to create a positive experience for yourself and a safe experience, but also a positive experience for the horse. And our dog is going to chew on our little wooden Christmas tree that we have. Can you not chew hey. on the tree? <laughs> anyway, sorry about that. So he did a lot of the work to get me ready so that by the time I tried it, or he had me doing it, she was... She was ready for it. She was ready for it. She was like in little puppy dog mode. It was like, you know, okay, yeah, let's do this. I'm ready. So I was able to climb on and climb off and do a lot of the same prep um, steps that he had done myself so that I was ready. So that was very cool in and of itself. But just because we had that one really cool thing happen last week, then the rest of the week, you know, he gives me the lesson and then I'm supposed to work on stuff until the Excuse me, until the next lesson. Then you gave me a lesson. Well, yes, and that was part of my lesson was to have you come out and watch what I was doing so that I could... Ingrain it in your mind? Well, yes, because as I'm telling you what I'm doing with her and why I'm doing it, it helps it stick with me what I'm doing and what I'm learning. It's it's a way that I learn. It it helps if when you're learning something, it really helps if you can like even if you're pretend pretend teach it to somebody. I'm not really giving you a lesson because you're not gonna be the one getting on her. But no way. I pretended that you were my student, so to speak, and I walked through everything that he had done with me as if I were teaching it to you. And that really helped. But Within the last week, she's had some days where she was a lot more reactive to things and spooky and just kind of, yeah. And that that behavior brings up a lot of emotions in me. And I know that. I know it brings up a lot of emotions in me. Um, for me, it, it brings up some fear you know, what if I get hurt? What if I can't control this situation? What if I'm not doing a good job? What if I fail? What if, you know, there's a lot of what ifs that come with it for me. 
Um, so when her reactions and her emotions are coming up, that brings up emotions in me. And one of the things that he's been helping me do is learn how to work through that. And that is not easy for me, but I am, I am learning. And this morning I kind of came to a realization on something and it has a spiritual takeaway to it. This isn't the first time we've had spiritual lessons from the horses. That's, it's very true. There's so, so many lessons that you learn. Like I said, you learn things about yourself. You learn your strengths. You learn your weaknesses. I know that me being able to manage my emotions in stressful situations is a weakness of mine. It's something that I'm working on. But there's also a lot of spiritual lessons you can learn. So what did you learn this morning? So, aside from taking lessons from the sky, I also have been reading this book about horse body language and how horses communicate with each other in the herd. And this author is writing the book to not only inform the reader how horses communicate with each other, but how you, as a person, can mimic some of those um, techniques so that you can better communicate with your horse. And she has an interesting take on some of the things that I have not ever heard of before. She just kind of has a different way of going about it in some some instances. And one of the things that she talks about in the book is being able to find your inward and outward zero. And by that, she means being in that state of mind where no matter what the horse is doing, you are at a zero with your emotions. Your, your physical body is not communicating, communicating anything and your emotions are in check and under control. Sounds like we need to learn this lesson with the children too. Well, okay, so just <laughs> let me let me tell you what I'm thinking here. So this morning I was kind of having my prayer time and I was praying about the lesson that I knew that I was going to have today and just that, you know, I would be calm and not be anxious and that I would be able to learn you know what it is that he had for me to learn today and be able to do it without fear and it hit me that being at a zero as this author talks about with your emotions really is about what Paul in Galatians talks about in the fruit of the spirit, which is temperance or self-control. It's temperance is managing your, your temper. It's, it's managing your emotions. It's not reacting to every feeling that you feel. Right. And the big thing that I am learning with faith 
as I'm training her and learning how to train her and watching the trainer work with her. He, of course, has done this hundreds and hundreds of times, so he can do it. You know, he gets the calm response out of her super quick because he has no... He has. He's at a zero. He's at a zero. To he, him, it's like, yep, whatever. I've done this. I've been here. I've done that. So she can, she can be throwing a fit on the end of the lead line, and he's maintains his zero. And whereas for me, she's throwing a fit on the end of the lead line about something, and your mo- your needle's I, my, moving up. <laughs> exactly, my emotional needle is moving up. So he has been helping me work through that. Then I'm reading this book and it's talking about finding your zero. And even when you have to communicate with your horse and horses communicate through a lot of trainers call it energy. Um, you could call it like your presence or your the way you present yourself, the way you move your body in different ways. They're they're just so in tune with that because that's how they communicate with each other. So even if you have to enhance your presence or enhance your body movement or enhance your energy, so to speak, when you're working with a horse, it's important to always be able to come back to that zero because horses desire peace they don't they might get worked up about something but they their one of their core desires is to be at peace and to just be able to chill out and I think that we as human beings sometimes we have people or circumstances come into our life people say things and it triggers something it triggers an emotion and and then you and then instead of responding you react because Mm -hmm. it pulled up something in you and i just it just hit me that you know really this issue is an issue of allowing the fruit of the spirit to work inside of you you already have it there because you have the holy spirit there and it's really an issue of practicing self-control yeah it reminds me of the podcast we did last summer about the meltdown of the moderated middle and the idea of let your moderation be known unto all men it's the same idea as temperance right that you're not you're not red hot and running on you know angry emotion all the time but you're also not ice cold and like uh checked out and unplugged right. and and you know just not you're, you're you know you're in that you're spot. not reactive you're not <laughs> reactive way over here but you're not non-responsive way over here right. you if something happens you're able to respond to the situation but not react to the situation and it was just really neat today because even after I had thought of that scenario, he and I were talking about, so what do I do when my emotions come up? You know, she's, maybe she, you know, we tried to, you know, we, I'm just going to use a tarp, for example. You know, maybe we were working with her, getting comfortable with the tarp flapping around and touching her and blowing about because that was happening today. 
you know, and she was kind of getting reactive to the tarp on the ground flopping around in the wind. And so her emotions came up. My emotions came up. And so we had a conversation about, okay, so that's happening. It's a situation. How do we manage that? Kind of reminds me that that zero idea kind of reminds me of um, the book we're reading with the folks at church on uh, lifetime guarantee during our transform life meetings where he talks about your emotional needle. Yes. And how a lot of people uh, have their needle stuck at a seven or an eight. And so, you know, a little bit of something happens and boom, you know, they're all the way to the 10 like that. Like they just... It doesn't take it much. It doesn't take much, right? And so it kind of reminds me of that. What, yes. You know, so yes. you're... The horses are interesting. Like, I know you would say that they're always afraid that something's going to get them because of their, their. Uh, I wouldn't a, say they're always afraid, but they're they're, they're on guard. They're and a prey for, animal, yeah. so they have their God created them to look out for predators and to they'll they'll be grazing, 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 and then you'll see them all of a sudden look up and kind of scan the horizon and look for, okay, is there anything? Oh, nope. Okay. I can go back to eating, you know, and for faith, because she's been, she hasn't had consistent training. She's been passed around from person to person to person. She hasn't had a, she hasn't had consistent training. She hasn't had a consistent home. But even just listening to you say that, I think of all kinds of things, right? I think of people who, have been in this denomination, that denomination, this belief system over here. And they go from belief, 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 belief without any stability, right? Yeah. Without any grounding and sound doctrine. And as a result, they're like kind of like that horse in the sense of their emotional. They get yeah. a mess kind yeah. of. Yeah. Yep. And then something happens at the next thing they try and then they get, excuse me, they get triggered and then they they react to the situation instead of responding to the situation. So anyway, that's interesting. Hopefully I explained that well (laughs) enough. But even, but, but I think just that one little bit of that conversation there, just again, I'm not ever probably going to do much riding, but I do find the horses infinitely fascinating in the way they think and operate and behave. And I feel like, since we've had horses here, there's been a lot of things that have been able to be spiritual, spiritual lessons. lessons tied to mm-hmm. to these kinds of things. So no, I think that's good. Mm-hmm. So I'm just I we you know I was able to get up on her again today, and so that's been it's well, exciting. That in and of itself is exciting, but I think it's even more exciting. All, that I am learning how to but I'm proud of deal you. with things in a more healthy way. Yeah, but I'm proud of you for facing your fear on that too. Because I know that you getting on her is not something that is, it's something you're a little fearful about. Well. A lot fearful maybe. Even. For, for sure. But I also feel like I have a really good teacher right now who's really good at Giving me the tools I need, number one, not shaming me or making me feel bad because I, what? Nothing. You're smiling at me. I, I just. 
What? You're very animated right now. Uh, well, <laughs> well, I just, I appreciate how he teaches. I appreciate that he gives me the tools I need. He doesn't make me feel bad <laughs> that I have these emotions. And he is giving me the, the ability to learn how to work through them. And then, like, push me out of my comfort zone. Like, if you just stay in your comfort zone with anything, you're you're not going to advance anywhere. Oh, again, there's so many. But if you kind of just step outside of that part where you're comfortable, and but you're a little bit afraid, but you can still function in that little bit afraid and try something, that that's a whole lot different than somebody just throwing you off the cliff and being like, not doing any of the prep stuff, not giving you any of the tools, just saying, hey, you know, just go get on the horse and ride it out and, right. you know, suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> like, if he were that kind of teacher, I wouldn't be working with him. Right. But he's not. So. Well, I'm proud of you for... Well, thank you. I'm proud of me, too. You know, seeking that out and figuring out what you need to do and, you know, watching the relationship that you're building with Faith. Yeah, again, her name. It's a good thing you named her that. I know. <laughs> it's, it's Her name is totally fitting her. And and you. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So that was my little story that I got to now add to because the recording didn't work last time. So. Yeah, it was the blessing of the Lord. Maybe. You just talked for a half hour. Wow. Okay. You think I, I got. I didn't mean to. She thinks I'm long-winded here, folks. You get me talking about horses, and I, yeah, I could talk all day. So, so you had a story that happened last week. Yeah, so I had a story last week, and it was kind of what motivated the podcast. Um, like Becky said, we tried to record it twice, and didn't work out really very well either time. So, what happened for me? For those of you who don't know, some of you may not. Um, in addition to pastoring the church, I also teach uh, full-time in a public high school in the area, and one of the classes that I teach is Introduction to Philosophy, and this is an elective class that I proposed years ago and uh, got got um, approved, etc., and one of the units in the class is the last unit of the class. It's a semester class, and the last unit is, Is There a God?, Excuse me. And what I go over with the kids is the formal arguments for and against the existence of God. So this is a public school. So, you know, I I do have to kind of present both sides and I try to do it. You know, I tell the kids that I'm going to teach it in a way that they can't tell what I think unless they ask me. And um, of course, I teach it in a way to try to prod them or motivate them to want to ask questions. And I would say to get them to think. Right. To critically think. To think critically about what they Because think. a lot of kids, no, they, they don't think. They don't think. They don't know how to think critically. Right, they don't. They, they, you're right. They, and that, that is also um, one of my goals. Um, so anyway, I was teaching the introduction, uh, the introduction lesson uh, to that unit, which is basically, I, it's called the Great Divide. And I go over the basics of the two worldviews. So I talk about theism, I talk about different kinds of theism, and then I talk about what, how most theists understand God. So I talk about God's 
omnipotence, omniscience, omnipresence, all of those kinds of things. And then I talk about atheism and make a contrast between supernaturalism and naturalism. Supernaturalism meaning that, you know, there's a higher being that created versus naturalism that everything is just this sort of random, um, unfeel, you know, everything is guided by randomness and unfeeling forces that are just happening. So anyway, uh, I was teaching this lesson and at some point, a kid asked a question and they said, um, do atheists go to hell? <laughs> What's the question that I got? Oh boy. <laughs> so I wasn't, I, you know, I, I, first of all, when a kid asked me a question, I am allowed to give my opinion. So I have this whole scenario that I go through if a kid asks me a question. So if a kid asks me a question and they say, what's your opinion? I'll say, are you asking me my opinion? And they'll say, yes, I'm asking you your opinion. And then I'll say to everybody, did everybody hear that so-and-so asked me my opinion? And then when I have a confirmation from everybody that, yes, they heard that, then I will say, my personal, private, subjective opinion is nobody is obligated to agree with me. And then I'll give my opinion. And I do that as a way to sort of cover my own self as far as, you know, sharing my opinions in a public school. And I've been doing that for years, and it's it's actually worked pretty good, I think, you know, as far as... Well, then nobody can accuse you of right. nobody, ramming your beliefs down their kid's throat. Right. So that's that's why I do that. So anyway, the so <clears throat> I wasn't anticipating this question, do atheists go to hell? And so the first thing I did is I said, I asked the kids, I said, well, what do you guys in the room here think about that question that believe in God? So I kind of did that to try to buy some time to think about what I wanted to say. So a bunch of kids raised their hand, and these were the theistic kids, the kids that said they believed in God, the kids who even said they were Christians. And they started talking about, you got to be good, you know, you got to... Um, you, you got to be good. Uh, you got to believe in God. You got to believe in Jesus. So I said, well, is there anything specific you got to believe about Jesus? And, uh, and, you know, of course, none of them, <clears throat> none of them are really given very good answers. And so then finally a kid says, the same kid that asked the question says, well, what do you think, Mr. Ross? And I, and so I went through my thing and got confirmation. They were asking my opinion. So what I said was, I believe that God is obligated to give eternal life to anybody with perfect righteousness. And it was just, I said that, and it was just like dead silent. And then a kid finally says, well, then nobody would go to heaven, which is the answer I wanted. So before this, we had a whole unit on ethics and morality where I got all the kids to basically admit that they are liars that they have stolen things, many of them have stolen things, and that they've cheated. And I confess to them that I'm a lying, stealing, that I'm a lying, thieving cheat, because I've done all those things in my life as well. So back to the conversation, I said that, and the kid says, "Well, then nobody would get to heaven." And I said, "I agree with you." I said, "That's why I believe that I need the righteousness of Christ." in order for me to go to heaven, and I believe that Jesus died for my sin, 
was buried and rose again, and that when I believe that, I get God's righteousness given to me, and I receive eternal life as a free gift. <clears throat> and it again, it was just like stone cold silent in there. And then finally one kid raises their hand and they say, why has, I've been to X number of churches, why has nobody else told me this? So I kind of addressed that a little bit. And then it was like, it was like popcorn going off, kid after kid after kid raising their hand and telling me how, why hasn't anybody ever said that to me before? You know, that's, you know, then they, then one kid's like, well, are you a priest? <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm not a priest. But I said, in full disclosure, I am a pastor. And then they started <clears throat> wanting to know what church I taught at, where they could find out more about this. Um, one kid said that I'm the coolest theist he ever met. Um, <laughs> you did tell me. And that. then they got into this whole thing about how... Um, Everybody should take this class, and this is their favorite class, and how they appreciate the fact that I don't, that I allow people the freedom to believe what they want, and that they can say things even if I don't agree with them, and I'm not going to like jump down their throat. And then it really turned sort of sad to me because then they started telling me stories about of the, what I'm just going to frankly call the religious abuse and manipulation that they've received at the hands of so-called Christian people. Adults. Adults. <clears throat> and the one girl, one girl starts literally crying and tells me the story about how she went to visit family in another state and they literally, like, basically subdued her, restrained her, brought her to a river, and forcibly baptized her in this river against her will and she's she's literally telling me the story out loud in front of the whole class with tears and and streaming down her face and you know I don't really do I don't do well with women crying who I'm not married to yeah but I said to her <laughs> I'm like <laughs> I said you know the first thing I want to say is that I'm sorry that happened to you and then she said, but I'm really glad I took this class because I see from you that um, not all religious people are that way. And by this point, I was just sort of blown away with, like, what is really going on in here right now? Um, and I... When you originally told me the story, you said it was like, like a light went on in the room. Like... Like, there was something more happening than just you and your students having a conversation. It was like you could feel I believe, the change. Yes. And, and you could feel the change. It was, when I gave the gospel, when I said that about Christ dying for my sin, etc., and I, and I just gave the simplicity of the gospel in that split second, it was like a... It was like a a wave of light and energy went through that class. I don't, I'm not, I don't know how to else to explain it. And something happened there in that moment in those kids' minds and hearts that I've never seen that happen. I've been doing this for a long time, almost 20 years teaching like this in a public school. And I've just never seen 
that kind of a reaction. And it was like, and then even the atheist kids were like, you know, you, we really appreciate you and we think everybody should take this class. And like, because you you had said that they appreciate that you let them talk and share their opinions, even though they know that you're not going to agree with them. Yeah. You don't you don't attack them because they hold a different belief than you do. And I and I said, you know, you you have to give if you want to be respected for your right to believe what you want to believe, then you have to respect the right of other people to right. believe what they want to believe. Right. And I I don't know. I I left very I left very blown away. I left very encouraged, but I also left just sad at the damage, the spiritual damage that has been done to a lot of these kids by so-called Christian adults and the yeah. way that they have the, the the way they've been treated and the perceptions that they have um based upon that. And I just so a couple things that, you know, I took from that were number 1 if all of the Christians run away from public institutions into their own enclaves, etc., where they're shut away from what's what's going on, I think that's not right. I think I think who's it's left to be who's left to be who's left to be the light in these situations. And I know there's a lot of stuff going on in public institutions, etc., that's not good that's contrary to God's word, that's contrary to sound doctrine, I know and I get all of that. And I feel that sometimes. But I just, I don't know. I, I just think that if we abandon all these places to their own thinking without being there to shine the light of truth in there, I, do, I just, I, I don't think that's good either. Right. And I also think that we have the, the we have to be mindful and cognizant that our kids and young people are watching how we say things, what we do, how we interact, how we interact. Not only in and, person, but on social media. And um, I just I don't know. It, it was just I believe. It reminds me of the verse in Corinthians where Paul talks about the the lost and Satan hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, which is the image of God, should shine unto them. I think that's what happened in that minute. In that moment yeah. when I gave the gospel and I just said it, it was like it was almost like the power of God shot through that room in that moment and those kids saw something and I don't know if any of them believed. I don't know what the outcome of that is going to be, and the outcome of it might not be known for years down the road. Right. But um, I listened to a podcast several weeks ago where this woman was giving her testimony, and she didn't get saved until she was in her early twenties, and she, you know, she was just she was in her early twenties. She was living in Miami. She was doing the club scene and, you know, the whole nine yards. And she ended up having some friends that invited her to church. 
and she heard the gospel one night and she got saved. And I just remember her saying on the podcast how once she got saved, she felt almost hurt that she had been around other believers that she knew were believers and they never once shared the gospel with her. And she's like, I didn't know that I was hungry for that truth until I heard it and realized I needed it. And then once I heard it and realized I needed it and accepted it, she's like, I literally wanted to go to those people that I knew were believers who had not said anything to me ever and be like, why would you not share this with me? Right. You know? So it's not really our job to look on the outside and be like, oh, that person's not ready. Oh, that person's not. If I say something, that person's not going to listen. You don't, you don't know. You don't know. And, you know, and and the reality is a lot of, I'm just speaking from what I see at, at school. A lot of these kids are hurting bad. And I think. A lot of them aren't in good situations. They've been shut in those situations for extended amounts of time because of everything that's happened with COVID. And a lot of them are just really, they're just really searching for answers. And they they just, they need our prayers. They need our patience and they need the truth. And I just, they need love. They need, they need love and they need somebody, they need to see that there's going to be an adult Christian professing Christian. Who's not just going to yell at them for, um, you know, believe in something they don't agree with. And I would just like to add to that. There, there's times where I see things on Facebook from believers that I think, I think their intent is good, but some of their posts about salvation and the topics of heaven and hell and getting saved and stuff are just, I don't even know what the word is to call it, except it's abrasive, it's aggressive, it's almost kind of ugly, and I read some of it sometimes, and I'm a believer and I'm taken aback by it and almost offended by it. I can't imagine what, you know, a non-believer reading some of the things that I've seen would feel like. And I just want to put out there that you are not going to win anybody over by being abrasive, aggressive, and angry. I agree with that. It reminds me of what I preached on recently in Colossians 4, <coughs> verse 5 and 6, where Paul says, walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time. That's what these, that's what these folks are. They're without, right? They're not saved. We need to walk in wisdom toward them. Redeeming the time, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. And when it talks about there about letting your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, it's talking about it being palatable. That your speech and how you're how you're saying what you're how we say what how we say what we say, and it's just as important as what we say being true, right? So it not only has to be true, but it has to be. Paul says it needs to be seasoned with salt, needs to be palatable, 
It needs to be receivable to the person that's listening. Right. And um, the reality... And it's, it's the way you approach. It's to kind of bring it back around. It's it's like working with the horse. It's It's all about your approach. And if you just charge in there like a lion, you know, all aggressive and all... It's not going to go well for you. But there's also a time sometimes, even with a horse, where, and I've heard you say this before, that you have have to meet the energy of the horse where the horse is at. Well, yeah. Right? And that's discernment. And you do. Yeah. That's discernment. Yes, it is discernment. And, I mean. But, yeah, you you need to have the appropriate response to the situation in front of you. Exactly. Walking in wisdom toward them that are without, right? And, and. And that comes with maturity. That comes with, you know, um, some learning experience and experience. It also comes with learning how to manage your emotions. Right. It comes from moderation, from temperance. You know, as a believer, when we hear lies or we hear somebody spreading lies or we hear somebody not being clear about the gospel or whatever it is, those things that can be frustrating. It can make you angry. It can be like, you know, it can bring up emotions in you. But that doesn't mean that you need to react. It means you need to respond. And your response needs to be with grace. Yep. And so I guess our two stories ended up tying in really well together. And I'm kind of glad now, as we've talked this out, that we the recordings last week didn't work because I think this one ended up being much more cohesive and it's also quite a bit longer well yes that too but you know we haven't put one out for a while so now they get a little extra right got a little extra tidbit for you there Joel if you're listening (laughs) did Joel need an extra tidbit of something Joel always needs a couple extra tidbits he's always harassing me when are you going to have the next episode oh Okay, well, there you go, Joel. There you go, Joel. So, anyway. Just just to, if I could, you had a little bit of closure there. I just want to say, like, I have moments where I do desire to not have to work a secular job so that I can devote my full time and attention to doing ministry and writing and doing uh, these kinds of things. But life is ministry sometimes. But life is ministry sometimes. And I have these opportunities with the job that I have, and I take advantage of them as often as I can. And I also think about, I also teach world history. And when we teach the unit on the Reformation, I literally, I, I have them go through the five doctrines of the Reformation, and they literally write in their notes... That salvation is by grace alone, through Christ alone, by faith alone. And that the way that salvation is given to a free gift to, uh, to anybody who trusts that Jesus died on the cross for their sins, was buried and rose again. And that's what Martin Luther taught. And that's true. That's so and I can teach you, that and I can say that, but I can do it in a way. Because it's history. Because it's, it's history. I mean, and spiritually is, it's true, but it's also history. And that was the driving force of that movement was the fact that works cannot save you. Only grace, only by grace through faith, through the work of Christ, can somebody get saved. 
and just keep it simple. Yeah. And that'll let that do the rest. And to be very clear, you're not ever forcing anybody to in those classes to believe anything. It's, I never you force. present the information. Both sides are presented. And right. it's up to the student to do with it what they will. Yep. So just in case somebody wants to take this at some point and be like, cause a problem, there is no problem to cause. There's because... no problem to cause because <laughs> both sides are taught and yes, um, no one... In a fair and balanced manner. No one has to agree with me to get a good grade. Their grade is based upon do they do the work I assign. Right. Which is, yes, fair. So, all right. So that was almost an hour. I think that's our longest. Well, time. we might as well go eight more minutes to make it an hour. Well, I don't know if I have eight more minutes of things to you say. You don't have eight more minutes of things to say? I don't think I do. Well, again, we're going to try. We're not going to promise. We're going to try to yeah. have one a week. I think we need to just schedule a day podcast day a, pa a podcast day and our weeks are so variable i don't know that it can always be the same day every week but maybe we can at the beginning of the week sit down and look at the week and then be like okay this day this time this is going to be our podcast so everyone right now is getting an insight into the inner workings of the ross marriage how we have to sit down and schedule everything. It's the only way we survive. Yeah. Life is to sit down and schedule everything. And even then, sometimes it's... It's still... It's still hectic and crazy. And because then life likes to come in and you hit deers with your car and all kinds of fun things. I was, I was in such a good mood till you brought that up. Oh, man. I'm just kidding. Well, if you guys want to reach out and um, contact us, you can email us at brian, B-R-Y-A-N, at justgraceit.com. That's brian at justgraceit.com uh, would be the contact. Also, um, on Facebook, we have the Just Grace It podcast with Brian and Becky Ross page. There is a separate page that we have for the podcast, and... I need to do a better job. I try to put the new podcasts up there, and then we share them on our personal page too when they're up and about. Um, but, yeah. If you could do us a favor and like this podcast, leave a comment, give it a rating, rating share it. Rating is really good. Sharing is really good, especially rating. I know on iTunes that's like a really big deal if you rate and review a podcast because it um makes it so that it circulates more and, and is put in suggestions so like if somebody listens to a similar type of podcast then it'll bring ours up and be like since you like this you might like the just grace of podcast with brian and becky ross and who wouldn't like this podcast i don't know i don't know either i just really don't know so like it comment share it and uh help us uh get the word out about it all right so we added, like, what, four minutes? That was four minutes. I'm sure we could kill four more, but we won't. Let's not. But uh, grace and peace, everyone. Thanks for listening. Bye.